I suspect that any priest or deacon or anyone else who is charged with giving a homily or offering of reflection on today's Feast of the Trinity struggles with what to say that will be meaningful for listeners. And I would be one of those. Part of the difficulty is in choosing between treating the Trinity solely as a doctrine of our faith, as a theological challenge, or to explore this mystery of our tradition, like all of the other beliefs and mysteries that shape how we live, explore this as a way that we can grasp some meaning, some purpose within it for life itself. God knows, so to speak, that there is no end of literature on the doctrine of the Trinity, beginning from the time it was declared a doctrine of the Church by the bishops of the Council of Nicaea in the year 302. And then centuries later, the 12th century scholastics wrote volumes about God from an academic perspective. And there have been countless volumes written ever since. And relative to the number of people who believe in God, very few, I suspect, have ever read those works. And even fewer have understood them, and possibly two or three actually enjoyed them. So it seems to me that a more fruitful exercise is to wonder how this mystery calls us to live in our own time, with our own sense of our relationship with God and with each other. As one of my theology professors was fond of saying, after all the books have been written and all of the lectures have been given, all theology is ultimately practical. In other words, what we believe, what we profess, no matter how mysterious it seems to be or how complex its depth of meaning, it only really matters if it shapes how we live our life as the people of God. All theology is ultimately practical. The scripture texts for today give us some help here. The God that Moses speaks about in the first reading is a God of extraordinary love. Moses recalls for the people the act of creation, that outpouring of God's love that came to realization in every creature on the earth, every creature in the sky, every creature in the sea, and culminated in the creation of human beings. And Moses asks, did anything so great ever happen before? Did anything so great 
ever happened before. And furthermore, what God loved into being, Moses goes on to say, God holds it there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. And if human beings are created in the image and likeness of God, then God has breathed into us the same capacity to love with our entire being. A love that Moses says is enshrined in the commandments to love God in return and to love God in our neighbor as well. Now we know we cannot love on the scale of God's love, but God gave us a way to echo that love, a way to learn how to love by sending to us the fullest expression of divine love into our midst in the person of Jesus Christ. The Word made flesh, the Word made from love to be love in the created world. And we don't have to dig very deep into the earthly ministry of Jesus to discover the signs of love that we are to imitate. And we could make a great long list of them. Compassion, hospitality, inclusion, forgiveness, and we could go on and on with these signs of love. Jesus was and is the face of God. And with the grace of the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us that we too become the face of God when our words and our actions are the visible traces of this remarkable love that weaves through the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We have a saying, and we say to someone, perhaps a younger person we've just met, um, and say, oh, you look just like your mother. You, you remind me of your father. You act like your father. What if someone said to us, you look like God. You remind me of God. Oh, what a wonderful thought. It would scare the life out of us. But that's the mystery of the Trinity, it seems to me, is God has breathed into us God's image and likeness. That's what we say. And so we should be then the face of God. The 14th century mystic, Dominican mystery, Meister Eckhart, once wrote, Do you want to know what goes on in the core of the Trinity? I will tell you, Meister Eckhart says. In the core of the Trinity, the Father laughs and gives birth to the Son. And the Son laughs back at the Father and gives birth to the Spirit. And the whole Trinity laughs and gives birth to us. And we think, what do we laugh at? We laugh at that which is good, that which is surprising, that which is amazing, that which is wonderful, that which is beautiful. And so God laughs. The Trinity laughs and gives birth to us. 
Meister Eckert says. It's a delightful image. It captures the divine delight that we can imagine as love bursting forth with such exuberance that the very core of creation and every creature is made of and made for love. Look how people react. Generally speaking, look how people react when there is a major catastrophe, either whether it is local or whether it is global. Whether it is a pandemic, a natural disaster, an act of violence, human beings rise up. They are driven to care, to reach out of themselves toward and for each other. One writer said it's the good Samaritan gene that we all have. But I believe it's also that mystery of God's love that is always sort of percolating inside of us, has been firmly planted there, and it cannot help but come to the surface of human expression. Remember quite a few years ago, and I suspect looking at all of you here, don't know about those of you live streaming, I think some of you probably remember Diana Ross and the Supremes. And she had that wonderful song many years ago. The uh, music was written by Bert Bacharach and the words by Hal David. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. Not just for some, but for everyone. Lord, we don't need another mountain. God knows we don't. What the world needs now is love. In so many little ways. And yes, in lots of big efforts as well. The mystery of the Trinity is possible and practical. It is life-giving. It's not just a feast day. It is the shape of every day.